Well, we've come to the end of our You Asked For It series. Today will be the uh, last part or the last message in the series. I trust it has been a blessing to you as we've covered all these topics. Obviously, like I said last week, we cannot cover all the, the questions that have been given to us, but hopefully uh, during the year, other topics that were not covered in this series will be covered in other messages individually. But we've tried to cover in this seven-part series the topics that were most frequently asked by those that did respond to the questionnaire last year. Uh, today's topic is, although it's the last one, it's not by any means the least important. In fact, it's a very important topic. We'll be dealing today in the topic of mental health and identity. A lot of people asked about that, and it is something which has become more and more common, more and more prevalent in our society. We live in days, like the Bible says, the lost days will be days of a lot of turmoil, a lot of pressure, a lot of work, and it's taking its toll on people of all ages and of all backgrounds and families. And so we as a church, we cannot ignore this. And you as a people, you are aware of it, and that's why many of you asked about that. And so today we're going to spend some time focusing. Listen carefully. A lot of information is going to be given. Make notes. Um, go back afterwards and listen to the recording once it is posted on our website. We need to be informed uh, as how to deal with this and how to help others. And to bring this morning, the message this morning, let's welcome Tanya Da Silva. Thank you. Amen. Thank you. I pretty much just took my entire introduction, so. <laughs> Thank you. All right, so you know what I'm talking about this morning. You know what we've been talking about the past few weeks. And I, I truly hope that the messages that we've been having over the past few weeks have encouraged you, have answered some of your questions, and I hope they've challenged you to even change a few things in your life. Amen, because that's part of what we're doing here is we're, we're growing. And so I hope that what we've covered has challenged you. So yes, this morning's topic is not an easy one. I'm going to do my best to do it justice. Um, and I truly hope that the words that the Lord has placed on my heart are going to touch your hearts, um, are going to bring hope, shed some light, and give some direction. So before we get started into all of that good stuff, I want to read something and I want you to listen carefully because when I'm done reading, I'm going to ask you a question and you're going to be graded on it, okay? <laughs> so open up those ears, they're not ornaments, they're to be used, so listen carefully. You are valuable, you are significant and precious in His sight. You have the capacity to make a difference. You have a purpose, there is a reason for your existence, and you are not a mistake. You are blessed, you are forgiven, and you are redeemed. You are favored, and you are fearfully and wonderfully made. You are chosen and wanted. You are strong and courageous, capable of accomplishing great things, and above all else, you are loved beyond comprehension. So you got that? You're listening. Okay. Now I want us to be honest with each other. I want us to be vulnerable. 
this morning. I know that might be asking a bit too much because it can be a scary thing to be vulnerable, right? It can be intimidating, it can be uncomfortable, but we need to push past that discomfort if we're going to get to the other side of breakthrough, okay? So we're all family here. This is a safe space. We can be vulnerable and honest with each other. Here's my question, or rather a call to action. I want you to raise your hand. Now, before you do anything, listen carefully to what I'm saying. I want you to raise your hand if you believe everything. And I mean the entire statement, not part of it, the whole thing. If you believe everything that I just said describes you, raise your hand if when you wake up in the morning, that is exactly who you feel you are. I see two hands, three hands. Those three of you, please come tell me your secret. (laughs) The rest of you had your hands down, why? You don't believe that statement. You don't believe the whole statement. But the truth is that is, whether you believe it or not, it is exactly who you are. I just described each and every one of you sitting here this morning, I just described myself. But in all honesty, I don't believe that entire statement. There are days where I have felt like the complete opposite of what I just said. There are a few things on this list that I have doubted in the past. There's a few things on this list that I still struggle with today. I don't always believe these things about myself. Sometimes I question them. And as beautiful and as encouraging as the statement is, It is often a battle for me to see myself as that person because this description is amazing. But when I look at myself, I don't always see that. And a lot of you feel the same, apparently. So I'm in good company, I'm not alone. Now all of us to some extent feel this way. We struggle to believe these things about ourselves because our true identity has become distorted. We don't see it clearly and sometimes we struggle to accept it. We struggle to accept these things about ourselves. Now maybe we don't believe it yet because the truth has not become a reality to us yet. Maybe it's because the shame of our past or possibly even our present weighs us down. Or maybe it's because there's an internal battle going on. An internal battle that makes it almost impossible to believe these things about ourselves. And that internal battle, that struggle, is something that a lot of people go through, but so many people keep it quiet, are ashamed of it, don't talk about it. So this morning, as I tackle this difficult subject, if you feel that that's you, you're having this internal struggle, then I pray that these words are gonna meet you in your place of need, and I pray that you're gonna be encouraged, you're gonna find hope, and possibly be on your way to getting help to have those difficult yet important conversations. So yes, this morning I'm talking about mental health and identity. These are two topics which are intertwined, but they are completely separate. Take note of that. They're separate. So I just want to talk about mental health, first of all. That's a term that is used in reference to the state of your mental well-being. So whether you struggle or battle with a mental disorder, we have all heard the term mental health. And this topic deals 
with something that has been for many years stigmatized. Now, although over the past few years we've made great progress in talking about it and understanding it and being more open about it, but there's still a stigma to it. I want us to get over that. We need to stop being afraid to talk about it. Now, we might be afraid to talk about it because of fear or shame or lack of understanding, and in some cases, denial. But the fact is, we need to talk about it even in church. So I just want to define this quickly, so that we're all on the same page, we all know what I'm talking about, and we all understand. So according to the World Health Organization, mental health is a state of well-being in which the individual realizes his or her own abilities, can cope with the normal stresses of life, can work productively and fruitfully, and is able to make a contribution to his or her community. That is mental health. Mental illness refers to the range of mental health conditions, disorders that affect your mood, your thinking, and your behavior. Examples of mental illness include depression, anxiety disorders, schizophrenia, eating disorders, and addictive behaviors. This is just to name a few. There are many others. So there is so much to be said about mental health and the vast number of disorders, but we can't cover everything today for two reasons. Number one, I don't know everything. Sorry to disappoint, but I don't know everything. And secondly, we don't have enough time. So although I can't cover everything, don't let this be the only time you're hearing about it. Go do some research on your own. Go read up about it and educate yourself. But what I do want us to realize this morning is the importance of this topic, the weight that this carries, the severity of it, so that we can become aware to the reality of the situation and start having those important conversations so we can stop running away from it, that we don't tiptoe around it, that we're not scared to talk about it. And I'm gonna mention some facts now to help us realize how serious this is. I want you guys to wake up to the reality of how important this stuff is. So you can take some notes while I'm speaking or you can listen back to the recording afterwards um, so that you have this with you. Mental health problems are the result of a complex interplay between biological, psychological, social, and environmental factors. What that means is there's not just one cause. You can't just say, oh, it's because of this, or it's because of that. It is oftentimes a combination of things. Experts say that we all have the potential to develop mental health problems, no matter how old we are, whether we are male or female, rich or poor, or which ethnic group we belong to. Any one of us can be affected at any time. That's why it's important that we know what to look out for, what to do, who to speak to, and to know that we need to ask for help. An estimated 400 million people worldwide suffer from mental or neurological disorders or from psychosocial problems. Anxiety is the most common type of mental illness, and there are various forms of anxiety disorders. The second most common is depression. The World Health Organization reported that half of the time mental illness occurs around the age of 14. Youth mental health is declining. And part of that is suspected to be because of our addiction 
to smartphones. It is thought that approximately 20% of the world's youth experience a mental health problem of some sort. Understand that mental health doesn't just affect your mind, it can affect your body as well. It can affect the way your immune and digestive system operates, and some studies have linked mental illness to more serious physical complications. Now, we say that everybody can be affected by mental illness, but they say women are more likely to experience mental illness, but men are more likely to take their lives. According to the World Health Organization, one of the leading causes of death is suicide. They stated that in terms of the burden of the disease among adolescents, depression is the third leading cause. Suicide is the second leading cause of death among 15 to 29-year-olds. They also stated that harmful use of alcohol and illicit drugs among adolescents is a major issue of, uh, in many countries and can lead to risky behaviors such as unsafe sex, dangerous driving, and eating disorders are also of concern. That's just some byproducts of mental illness. The South African Depression and Anxiety Group revealed that about one in five of South African high school students, one in five, have tried to take their life at some point. Now, these are just some statistics. There are a lot. And if you're not disturbed by this, then something is wrong. Because these statistics, this information, shows us that there is something seriously wrong. And we should wake up, we should be alert, and be aware that something needs to be done. This is not okay. And each and every one of us have the responsibility to learn about the struggles of and the impacts caused by mental illness, to be aware and alert, to know what to look out for, to know what to say, what not to say, what questions to ask, and how to get help. We need to be equipped with the correct resources in order to offer help as well. So guys, this is not a comfortable topic. It's sensitive, but it's necessary. But something else I want you guys to be aware of, yes, this information is scary. It's not good. But I want you to be aware that God has something to say about this as well. None of this is new and foreign to him. We're shocked by this. God is not. The scriptures are filled with examples of people who have suffered, experienced great pain, suffered challenging trials and tribulations, felt despair, loneliness, abandonment, who have been overwhelmed by anxiety and troubling thoughts, individuals who were brokenhearted, desperately seeking comfort and peace. Now, the Bible may not use the language that we're used to. It may not say, oh, this person struggled with this anxiety disorder, this person experienced depression. The Bible doesn't use that language, but the evidence is there that the struggle was there. Yet, we have these stories to look at. We have this evidence that this is not new, that this is something that's been going on forever, that we have these stories of emotional and mental struggle, yet the concept of mental health is one that we're still afraid to speak about. 
and not just afraid to speak about, some people refuse to accept that it's a problem. It's in your head. Get over it. Yeah, it's not as easy as that. So when someone opens up to us, we often tend to offer automated responses. And the problem is that these automated responses are of absolutely no help and can, in fact, cause more harm. And we need to be aware of this, especially as believers, because we, we tend to offer Christianese language, right? We use Christianese language. And it may be coming from a good place. Your intentions might be good when offering these sorts of advice or whatever, but it doesn't help. Responses such as, why are you sad? You've got the joy of the Lord. Jesus died to take away your pain and your suffering. Why are you worried? Why are you afraid? Why are you still anxious and depressed? His love for you is greater than anything you face. Why are you worried? How can you say you feel alone when you have Jesus? How can you say that you feel unworthy when God died, well, when God gave his best for you and sent his son to die for you? How can you say you feel unworthy? And then there's the statement, well, if you're still feeling that way, maybe your faith just isn't strong enough. To me, these statements are a Band-Aid. It's an easy way out. It's what you just stick over the wound because you don't want to treat it. You don't want to get messy, so you just cover it up and hope it goes away. Because if you're gonna have those serious conversations with somebody, it's going to be uncomfortable, it's going to be messy. So to get that person off your back, you offer this well-intentioned but very lame statement and you could end up causing more harm than good. See, now I understand that there is some truth to these statements. They're not wrong, there's truth to it. But it doesn't help. So yes, Jesus loves me, he died for me, and through his sacrifice I can overcome and conquer the challenges that I face. Yes, I am precious in his eyes, but I still live in a fallen world and I still struggle. I don't always feel worthy and valuable. I don't always feel loved and wanted. Sometimes I feel alone, I feel broken. Sometimes I question my worth and my value here on earth. I still struggle. And yes, because I have Jesus, because of what Christ did for me, I have hope that this is not all there is for me. And I thank God for that hope that I have in him because I am scared to even imagine where I would be if I didn't have that hope. So although I experience these thoughts and emotions and sometimes have these dark days, they do not need to be everything that I am. And it doesn't mean that I don't have enough faith. But what it does mean is that I am human, experiencing the consequences of a broken world. 
And this isn't new. I mentioned that the scriptures are filled with examples of individuals who struggled. There are individuals that we can relate to through our own struggles, that we can find hope in their stories, lessons that we can learn from their stories. So this morning, I want us to look at one of these individuals. I want us to see how they struggled, and I want us to see what lessons we can learn from them so that we can see that the Bible has information on this topic. It's not outdated. It's still relevant. So I want us to turn our attention to an individual, a Bible hero, someone who was strong and courageous, a man of power, someone who was known as a man after God's own heart. Any guesses as to who I'm talking about? David. Now we know that David did not turn away from God. And we know that God never left David. But David endured a lot of pain, a lot of loss, and he experienced anguish. David struggled so much so that it is possible that he struggled with depression. See, David experienced the loss of his best friend, Jonathan, the loss of his son, Absalom. He experienced great stress, I'm sure he did, of bearing the weight of being king to God's chosen people. And he probably experienced a lot of spiritual pressure in being known as a man after God's own heart. So we look at David's story and we see the struggles that he went through. You read the Psalms that he wrote and you get a glimpse of the state that he was in. Some of his Psalms are like journal entries, personal descriptions of how he felt, desperate cries to the Lord. These give insight to the emotional and mental struggles that David experienced, the internal battle that he was fighting. Now there are 150 Psalms. He didn't write all of them, but those that he did write are often filled with desperate cries to the Lord. So we're not gonna look at everything. I just want to highlight a few verses from some Psalms to get a glimpse of his struggle, of what he was going through. And some of you sitting here this morning may relate to what David was going through. And if you do relate to what he is going through, then I hope that you will find hope in his story that you will get the lessons from his story and that you will apply them in your lives. So first of all, we're gonna look at Psalm 22, verse one to two. And it says, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Why are you so far from saving me, so far from my cries of anguish? My God, I cry out by day, but you do not answer. By night, but I find no rest. He felt alone. David felt so alone and so in despair that he felt as though God had left him. God had forsaken him. He felt that God was far from him, ignoring his cry for help. What a dark place to be in. To feel so alone, to feel that even God has abandoned you. He felt alone and abandoned. If we jump a few verses ahead to verse six, he says, but I am a worm and not a man, scorned by everyone, despised by the people. Who calls himself a worm? You call yourself a worm if you feel worthless. 
So feeling alone and abandoned is bad enough. But on top of that, David also felt worthless. Feeling so worthless that he calls himself a worm. Now that's great. For a man of God, that's the way he should feel. Alone, abandoned, and worthless. Is that what you expect a man of God to feel like? He has God at his side, but that's how he feels. Let's jump to Psalm 69, verse 1 to 3. Save me, O God, for the waters have come up to my neck. I sink in deep mire where there is no standing. I have come into deep waters where the floods overflow me. I am weary with my crying. My throat is dry. My eyes fail while I wait for my God. I don't know what you see when you read this, but I see a defeated person. At this point, the turmoil that David is experiencing has overcome him, where he feels as though he's drowning and there's no way out. And on top of that, he's tired of crying out, calling for help and it not coming. He's tired of searching for God and not finding him. He feels defeated. So this was David's struggle. Just in these few verses that I have read, we see that he felt alone, he felt abandoned, he felt worthless, he was tired, he was desperate, he was overwhelmed, and he felt defeated. Do those things sound good to you? Does that sound healthy to you? David experienced darkness. He went through some stuff. He felt completely alone, utterly defeated, and absolutely worthless. Nobody who is happy and in a good mental state, a healthy mental state, would write such words. David was not in a good place. He was consumed by the struggles he endured. He was emotionally and mentally exhausted, drained to the point of desperation. He's so tired of fighting that he turns to God, cries out in anguish for the Lord to answer him, to help him, to give him strength and restore him. Have you ever felt like David did? Have you ever been in a place where you felt like you're drowning, felt like you're in deep waters with no foothold? Your throat so dry from crying out, eyes so tired of searching for God and not finding him, feeling so alone to the point where you feel as though even God has forsaken you feeling so worthless that you'd compare yourself to a worm in the ground, feeling so done that you just lie in bed with no willpower and no strength. David struggled. But here's what I like about David's story. He did not give up. He felt all of these horrible things, these horrible thoughts, but he did not allow them to consume him and be the end of his story. David's story gives us hope that even if the darkness overwhelms us, we do not need to be overcome by it. Even if the darkness overwhelms us, we do not need to be overcome by it. There is a difference between being overwhelmed and overcome. So we've seen that David struggled, but let's see what we can learn from him. 
what his response was to his battle. So we read in the first three verses of Psalm 69 how he felt like he was defeated. But later on, he goes on to say, in verse 13 to 15, he says, But as for me, my prayer is to you, O Lord, in the acceptable time. O God, in the multitude of your mercy, hear me in the truth of your salvation. Deliver me out of the mire and let me not sink. Let me be delivered from those who hate me and out of the deep waters. Let not the flood water overflow me, nor let the deep swallow me up, and let not the pit shut its mouth on me. Here's a few things that I get from the scripture. Is first of all, David asked for help. He could have kept quiet, he could have suffered in silence, but instead he spoke out. Well, actually, he cried out. He expressed what he felt and he asked for help. Here's the thing, so many of us bottle up. We keep our struggles secret, but it's not healthy. We need to learn to ask for help when we need it, even though it's uncomfortable. Write it down, cry it out, shout it, whisper it, I don't care how you do it, ask for help. The second thing I get from this is that David continued to pursue God. He often cried out, complaining that God wasn't listening, um, feeling as though God wasn't there, but this didn't stop him from continuing to pursue him, calling out. Often you would notice, if you read some of David's Psalms, you'll notice that in, in the same Psalm, he'll start off by saying, don't leave me, God, don't ignore me, hear my prayers, complaining, complaining, and a few verses later, He's speaking about the goodness of God, how God never left him in his time of need, how God will always be there, and how he will continue to sing his praises. There's a contrast. It shows the dark side, but also the side of hope. Why? Because although his emotions had left him feeling alone and defeated, his spirit knew that God was always there. It's okay to voice those dark things, it's okay to let it out, but don't believe them. Know the difference between a lie and the truth. Continue to pursue God even in the darkness because although it may feel like you're alone, the truth is that God has never left you and he's never going to. David knew this, he held on to this, and I'm sure it's what gave him the hope to carry on. It's what gave him the strength to push on. The third thing I see from this is that David did not give up. See, we tend to give up when we lose sight of the truth. But we need to keep fighting and that means doing whatever is necessary to get better. Which is asking for help and clinging to God. And the reason that I think that David could do all of this, that although he struggled, he held on, he held on to the truth of God's word, the reason that he could do this is because of this very important part now. David knew who he was. David knew who he was. How do I know that he knew who he was? 
Psalm 139, verse 13 to 18. David wrote, For you formed my inward parts, you covered me in my mother's womb. I will praise you, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Marvelous are your works, and that my soul knows very well. My frame was not hidden from you when I was made in secret and skillfully wrought in the lowest parts of the earth. Your eyes saw my substance being yet unformed, and in your book they all were written, the days fashioned for me, when as yet there were none of them. How precious also are your thoughts to me, O God. How great is the sum of them. If I should count them, they would be more in number than the sand. David could have easily believed that he was alone, unwanted, worthless, incapable, weak, and defeated. He could have allowed what he was going through to define him. But he didn't, because he knew who he was. He knew that he was known, that he was fearfully and wonderfully made, that he had a purpose, that he was highly thought of, and that he was loved. These are the lessons that we can learn from David's story. He asked for help. He continued to pursue God. He did not give up, and he knew who he was. He knew who he was, who he truly was, who God said he was, and because of that, he did not allow his situation to define him. He did not allow his battle with depression to overcome him and hold him captive, because he knew that he was more than what he was feeling. Your struggles and challenges are not who you are, but they are part of your story. The state of your mental health may affect you, but it does not define you. Your value, your worth, you don't have to do anything to earn it. It's already yours. We can so easily allow ourselves to be defined by the state of our mental health, especially if you struggle with a mental illness. Your internal dialogue sounds something like, I am weak and insecure, I am incapable, I am not confident and courageous, I am broken, unwanted and alone, I'm an outcast and I'm misunderstood. You allow your diagnosis to define you. But none of this is true, because that is the voice of a condition, not the voice of truth. You want to know what the voice of truth says? You are valuable, you are significant and precious in his sight. You have the capacity to make a difference. You have a purpose. There is a reason for your existence and you are not a mistake. You are blessed, you are forgiven and redeemed, you are favored and you are fearfully and wonderfully made. You are chosen and wanted, you are strong and courageous, capable of accomplishing great things, and above all else, you are loved beyond comprehension. That is who you are. This description is not something I came up with. I didn't think, okay, what are the great words to describe somebody and let me put them all together. This is an extraction of what God says. We find our identity in Him, in His words, in His truth, not in our condition. We need to make that switch where we look at ourselves and say, I am not defined by my condition. I am not defined by what I think and feel 
But I am defined by the one who created me, the one who gave me life, by the one who gave me purpose. I am defined by my loving creator, my heavenly father, and he will help me overcome whatever it is that I face because I am a conqueror, I am victorious, and I am worthy. That is who I am. That is who you are. Learn to operate out of who you are, not what you have. Because your emotions may lie to you, your thoughts will mislead you, but God's word will always stand true. Now in closing, I just want to say that if you are struggling, or if you know someone who is struggling, I just want to give us three tips on getting help. These are not solutions to a problem. Don't think that these are the three steps to getting better and it's gonna be all good and and fine. These are three tips to help us get on our way to getting better. First of all, remind yourself of God's truth. Spend time in His Word. Go see what God says about you. Remind yourself of who you truly are. Quiet the voice of your condition by listening to the voice of truth. Find hope and peace and comfort in his word. Now yes, of course we're in church, of course we're gonna say that. But why do we say it? Because there's truth to it. There's evidence of it working. There have been times when I have felt overwhelmed and I just remind myself of the truth. You speak God's word over yourself and you will see that that peace will slowly come upon you. It doesn't just completely remove everything, but it reminds you of the truth. It grounds you. Second is community. We need each other. See, we're created for relationship. And even though being with people is often the last thing you want when you're struggling, it is what you need. Push yourself if you have to but surround yourself with people that you love, people who love you, who support you, who are there for you. Do not isolate yourself. Do not push people away. Like I said, I know it's, it's easy to do that when you're struggling because you don't wanna be surrounded by people, but it's what you need. So push yourself. Ask someone to give you a kick in the backside if necessary, but surround yourself with a support group. And this third point is possibly one of the most important. So if you're taking notes, highlight it, write it in all caps, go over it a few times that it stands out. Ask for help. Don't be afraid to tell someone what you're going through. And listen, don't wait for someone to notice that you're not okay. Ask for help. No one's gonna ask for you. We are responsible for our own improvement. And if I keep quiet about what I'm experiencing, how am I gonna get better? So it might be uncomfortable, it might hurt, but ask for help. Be honest about what you're feeling. 
Now, whether you choose to speak to someone close to you, someone that you trust, or whether you choose to go speak to a professional, it doesn't matter. Just speak to somebody. Keeping things secret is only going to cause more harm. As I said, I know it's difficult because often when you feel that way, you feel like no one's going to listen to you. You feel like no one's going to understand you. Those are lies. Those are the little voices that are going to keep you from getting better. Switch them off and ask for help. More harm is going to come from being quiet. So find someone you trust, ask for help, and keep fighting. Now, if you need to speak to someone and you don't know who to turn to, please come speak to our pastors. Do not think that you have no one to speak to. We can put you in contact with a counselor or a psychologist. We can assist you in getting the help you need. We have access to resources to help you. So don't walk out of those doors thinking that you have no one to speak to. We're here for each other. We're in this together. We're fighting this together. So let's be alert, let's be sensitive, and let's look out for one another. Can we do that? Remember that the state of your mental health may affect you, but it does not define you. It may affect you, but it does not define you. You are not defined by your condition. You are defined by who God says you are. Nothing is ever going to change that. Nothing is ever going to take that away from you. You are who God says you are, today, tomorrow, and forever. May you always hold on to this truth. Never forget it. Even in your darkest moments, God is right there with you, and he's never going to leave you. So just like David did, I pray that we're going to ask for help if we need it, that we're going to continue to pursue him, that we're never going to give up, and that we will always know exactly who we are. Amen? We are not our condition. We are who God says we are. So I hope that this has maybe brought some insight, encouragement, and I hope it brings hope. We don't have to give up. We are not alone, and we are in this together. So let's look out for each other. Let's look out for ourselves as well. Be aware of when those little voices creep in. Know what to listen to, know what to ignore, and know to ask for help. Amen? Amen. Let's close in prayer. Father, I just want to thank you that your truth overcomes everything. That we can know who we are because you tell us who we are. So Father, I pray that we will not listen to the voices of our conditions, but that we will listen to your voice, that we will define ourselves by your definition. We will find our identity in you. That we will not allow our mental health to define us. Father, I pray that if there is anyone sitting here this morning that is struggling, Father, I pray that your peace will just overcome them right now that your love will surround them and that you will give them the courage to speak up if necessary, if they haven't done so already. 
Give us the strength to continue, to ask for, hope, for help and to keep fighting. And Father, I pray that you'll give us the ability to be sensitive to one another, to look out for each other, to support each other, to offer help, to love on each other so that we all know that none of us are alone. Father, that you will just bring this community together, that we know that this is a safe place where we can speak, that this is a safe place where we can find help. Father, I break that spirit of fear in talking about these things, that we won't tiptoe around it, that we won't be ashamed to talk about it, but that we'll have these necessary conversations, that it will be something that we'll continue talking about, that we'll speak to each other about it, that we'll be concerned for each other, that we'll have empathy for each other, that if someone does come up to us and open up to us, Lord, that we're not gonna give, up, give them Band-Aid answers, but that we're gonna be willing to get messy that we're gonna be willing to sit through it, to walk with that person, to walk with each other on the road to recovery, on the road to reminding ourselves who we really are. So we thank you, Lord, that your truth stands forever, that your word is still relevant to us today that we can look back on the stories of individuals long ago who struggled but pursued you, continued. And Father, I pray that we will read those stories with a new set of eyes, that we will find hope, that we'll find lessons, that we'll find encouragement, that we can keep going. So Lord, I want to thank you for this time that we had here this morning. I want to thank you that we can have these conversations I want to thank you that you are present in these conversations, that none of this is new to you, that you are aware of all of this, that nothing we can say is going to shock you. You've heard it all, you've seen it all, and you can overcome all. So be our strength, give us courage, give us the endurance to continue, and give us the voices to speak up. May we never grow tired of calling out to you. May we never grow tired of searching for you. And may we always sing you praises, even in the darkest of moments. We thank you, Lord, that you're always by our side, that you're always with us, that your love surrounds us, and that your words speak truth. So we give you all honor and praise, Lord. May we always look to you. May we always seek your voice over everything else. And as we grow closer to you, Father, may we just grow closer to each other as well. So Father, I pray that you'll bless us, that you'll keep us, that you'll protect us in everything we do, that you'll guide us in everything we do. Take us home safely, give us a wonderful week, and bring us back here next week with a hunger for more of you, a desire to worship you, to experience your presence and your love like never before. May we continuously seek you out. In Jesus' name, amen.